The following program contains adult language and mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. One, 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 Hey everybody, welcome to Song Each, the show of competitive banter. We each select one song that means something to us personally or not personally that we like or hate, and then we talk about it. Who wants to go first this time? Uh, I'll go first just because I'm going to be lazy again. And you are? From another uh, Diablo Frank. And I'm a legal machine. With me is? Senor Fix-It. Since I've been going through my Blender magazines, I'm just choosing uh, the songs that they happen to have brief oral histories on that are significant to me. This time it's going to be Borderline by Madonna from 1984. I don't know if you remember a time. I know Mac will not remember this time. Maybe Mr. Fix remembers this time when you listen to an act on the radio I have no idea what they looked like I remember hearing the song Borderline in 84 listening to it with my first girlfriend and being convinced that Madonna was black and being very surprised to find out otherwise first time I saw it was MTV Awards so I don't know I, like a prayer I mean not like a prayer yeah, uh, like, a like, like a virgin yeah, yeah that's first she's crawling on the stage yeah. yeah no I first saw her I, I caught her on cable it was the song Borderline do you remember Borderline the Borderline right and she had a few songs before that one that had some heat in the dance charts but that was like our big crossover hit into pop music and uh, i didn't love borderline i thought it was cute it was a nice poppy song but this thing to remember first being associated with madonna first knowing who the hell she was not appreciating what an enormous impact she was going to have because within a year of borderline every fucking girl i knew was dressing like madonna to some degree at least some influence whether it was the bracelets the teased up hair the navel bearing wearing bras as outerwear you know eventually I became a thing. Um, I do remember too that Lucky Star was another huge one. Every fucking girl loved Lucky Star. For me, my favorite was actually Burning Up because I thought that was just fucking hot. I love that song. And I became a pretty big Madonna fan over the years. I still have a lot of respect for her. But it was just such a weird thing for me to, again, somebody asked you, it, it showed the video age. So it was, it was another reminder that we were in a new age of music because there were tons of acts that you grew up on that you never fucking saw what those guys looked like. And especially the type of music I listened to, again, mostly country and oldies and shit, it didn't matter because there weren't any fucking music videos for those guys. You would see them at like the rodeo maybe or something. Country music really didn't start getting music videos to my recollection until later in the 80s where you would actually have a venue where you could see them. Eventually you had CMT, which for a time was the MTV of country music and you only saw country music videos there. But it took a while before country music seemed to catch up with pop music and other popular sound having music videos routinely for their acts. You know, tons of acts were killed by the fact that they were some Art Garfunkel-looking motherfuckers, and they had no sex appeal that nobody wanted to actually look at them. And so those guys didn't get to appear in videos after a while. They fell off because they weren't telegenic. Where Madonna, of course, defined telegenic acts. You know, nobody looked like her. Nobody inspired the cult of personality. Nobody influenced fashion the way that she did in that time period. As a person who didn't really listen to a lot of pop music at that point in time, because it was still a little early before I really started in embracing what people my age were supposed to be listening to. But she was definitely an early exposure for me because regardless of whether or not I knew who a lot of popular bands of that time were, I knew who the fuck Madonna was very early on. And she kept me in her sights for much of her career. As far as the oral history, though, since I, I bothered to read this, basically they just talk about how she never liked anything off her first album. She was a control freak. She wanted a more minimal dance sound. Her producer wanted a lot more kitchen sink kind of stuff, a lot more 
layered stuff, but she was unhappy with the song and apparently she was so confident in her abilities that she was actually praying for Borderline to go away so that people could hear the new stuff that she had coming up that she thought was going to be far better than anything that was on that album. Which Did of course it ended, ended, ended up fucking, yeah, totally played out that way. She Like a Virgin came out, which shot her into a whole other so area of what is your song, dude? Because you're like on like four different songs. Like No, well, I'm talking about Madonna in general, but the song is going to be Borderline. Okay. I was like, you're kind of cheating here, man. It's not favorite artist. song very vividly massive hit dude all these songs are just like i mean it's a definitely it's, it's a ripoff from uh breaking the dance girl who hangs it's not a ripoff it's the fucking 80s yeah. like oh hey oh this this song has breakdancing in it who does she think she's copying it was the fucking 80s everybody's breakdancing she was pretty smoking hot back then well it was only what about a year or two after this that the artistic nudes got released and ended up in i think playboy house but see, the funny thing is, I didn't really, I wasn't really into that younger Madonna. I didn't really, like, start to see her hotness until she was at peak hotness around the time of Veronica. Nah, that's I, what, I liked uh, What about Material Girl? Like a Prayer? At that, that time period, she was That's, well, yeah, Like a Prayer. Okay, yeah. I, so here, I, that's true. I didn't really start to find Madonna hot until the Like a Prayer video. Yeah. She looked really good with brown hair. Yeah. And she looked great in that slip. Yeah. Pushing up the yeah. boobs and everything. Yeah. That's when I found her. True, so what's true. the chronology here? Let's say, well, I'm not good with Madonna chronology. Okay. So. What, Lucky Star was before this? After this. After this. Borderline was, was her first, first big pop hit. I think that Burning Up and a couple other ones were dance hits before this, but she didn't cross over on those. Everybody. Released October the 6th, 1982. Worldwide sales of 400,000. Burning Up. Released March the 9th, 1983. Worldwide sales of 350,000. Holiday. Released September the 7th, 1983. Worldwide sales of 2,400,000. Billboard rank of 16. Lucky Star. Released September the 8th, 1983. Worldwide sales of 1,740,000. Billboard rank of 4. Borderline. Released February the 15th, 1984. Worldwide sales of 1,400,000. Billboard rank of 10. In the US, the song was released before Lucky Star and became Madonna's first top 10 hit. Madonna's eponymous first album was followed by Like a Virgin later in 1984. 
So then, when was Material Girl? That material. was uh, oh, that was oh. on that yeah Material Girl. That was on Like a Prayer. Or not Like a Prayer. Sorry, Like a Virgin. Okay, I said Timeline. Everybody was a demo released as a single in 1982. Its modest success greenlit production on Madonna's first full album, released July the 27th, 1983. Singles from the album proceeded into early 1984, the same year as her follow-up Like a Virgin's release at November. This is 84. Okay. See, for me, it was just oh, this is Madonna. There was no discovering Madonna. It was oh. She's Madonna, always Madonna was already an entity living oh, about no, no. I remember, space I, and earth. I knew Madonna was big when we saw her on MTV and she did like a version. It was like, yeah, that's Madonna. Now. Oh, yeah. Well, see, that, she that was, was that was one of those break the internet before there's an internet moment. Yeah. Everybody, once she crawled across that stage, moaning and simulating things that were not allowed on any kind of television back then. It really weren't even allowed in fucking movies for the most part. Everybody knew who the fuck Madonna was after that. I still remember my stepsister dragging me to go see Who's That Girl? I'm sorry. That was not a good movie. I not liked it okay back then, but I tried to watch it as an adult. What was the like other one she did? Desperately Seeking yeah, Susan, yeah. which is generally considered the only good Madonna movie. I'll defend Dick Tracy, but that's about yeah, it. Yeah, that'll be you. I told you, oh. I, I fell asleep during Dick Tracy, I think. I didn't fall asleep, but I just... When I left Dick Tracy, I was like, I, mean, I was a kid. And I was like, what the hell did I just watch? That was the most boring shit ever, dude. Well, see, I read the and comics. And I've never even, I don't even think I even paused for a second when it was on TV since then. That's another movie that I would like to probably revisit just to see if it was really as bad as I remember to be. I have it on DVD. I'm, I don't uh, doubt it. Might yeah. be the only existing copy. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I didn't pay a lot for it either. I'm pretty sure it was a five bucker or so. I like Dick Tracy better than most people because they did a comic book prelude that led into a comic book adaptation of the movie, and the prelude was way better than the actual movie story-wise plus Kyle Baker artwork so I was more hyped for Dick Tracy I, I love than most th- people this was a one song each is now a roll spine uh, Kyle Baker's some of his best work was on the prelude to the and that ladies and gentlemen was Borderline by Madonna welcome to Tony's ultimate party album Woo-hoo! this is in association with Flash FM now every time I host a party certain things are guaranteed good music a visit from the friendly law enforcement and so many people in and out of my bedroom they should install a revolving door and now you can party with me tony only i don't have to let you in my house this album is just like a party at my house so hide the valuables cover the furniture with plastic and remember the world is our ashtray let's get the party started wow now if it's totally tubular rad or awesome it's on flash fm In Midtown Manhattan, hundreds of Madonna wannabes packed into the Madonna Land shop at Macy's department store for a Madonna look-alike contest. Madonna, at this point, I think represents all of the young fashions in our country. And by looking around Macy's and seeing all the uh, would-be Madonna look-alikes, it certainly proves the point. It's the only one that we can look up to nowadays. She doesn't condemn femininity. And you wear Madonna clothes, everybody looks at you, right? Everybody just, everybody yeah, stares yeah. and says, look at that girl over yeah. there. She's pretty and I like her. Over a hundred lookalikes strutted their stuff for a panel of celebrity judges. And the winner was 16-year-old Jean Anne DeFranco of Queens, New York. It's a nice style. It's different. It's, nobody else does it, you know. It's by itself. From Macy's, the Madonna wannabes joined other lookalikes at Radio City Music Hall for Madonna's sold-out show. There, one Madonnaette explained the lookalike phenomenon. Because it's fun and I love attention. I just eat it up and it's fun, you know. I can have my own identity at other times, but you know, what the heck. 
Live it up while you can. Finally, Madonna Mania hit a fever pitch as the real Madonna hit the stage. Okay. All right, Matt, what you want? I don't want to do this song off this soundtrack, but I'm going to do just do People Are Strange by The Doors. Okay. People are strange. Lost Boys. Your first Doors Lost entry Boys. is going to be People okay. are strange. Well, it's more because of Lost Boys more okay. than Doors. But what's the fucking song in the movie where the dude's playing the saxophone? What fucking song is That's, that? That's uh, Echo and the Bunnymen. Is that Echo and the Bunnymen? We'll play yeah. Echo and the Bunnymen instead. People are strange. Yeah, she's not the Doors. It's the, the Echo's cover of the Doors. Yeah. People are strange. No, 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 it's no, not. No, no. no it's Echo a... and the Bunny thing cover People are strange. It's not the Doors in the actual For real? movie. Yeah, it's a cover. I could have swore Echo and the Bunnyman had a. I'm saying Echo and the Bunnyman covered People are strange. Okay, okay for... that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. But what during the scene at the carnival, the grease stub dude is playing the saxophone. What song is that? Is it Lost in the Shadows? Is that there's a sax in Lost in the Shadows? <laughs> Lost in the Shadows. My brother had the Lost Boy soundtrack, so we well, listened to every fucking Lost track in the Shadows. We'll see if that's it. Sorry, I know you're just pecking around on this thing. I apologize. No, I'm going to put Lost Boys, and it should. That's probably... Yeah, but see, you're doing Echo and the Bunnymen Lost Boys, so it's going to bring up People Are Strange. No. Hold on. Yes, because now Oops. you're not even getting, like, suggestions. <laughs> Google's like, no, this too obscure. <laughs> see, Lost Boys. Oh, hey, Lost okay. Boys and Found. My bad. The, the soundtrack to the Lost Boys, track by track, is Good Times by NXS and Jimmy Barnes. Not that one. Lost in the Shadows by Lou Graham. Try that one. Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me by Roger Daltrey. Delete Echo in the fucking Bunnyman, please. Laying Down the Law by NXS and Jimmy Barnes. People Are Strange covered by Echo and the Bunnymen. Cry Little Sister by Gerard McMahon. Power Play by Eddie and the Tide. I Still Believe by Tim Capello. And uh, Beauty Has Her Way by Mummy Calls, and To the Shock of Miss Louise by Thomas Newman. Now, is that, I still believe the, I still believe, dun 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 No? No, I don't believe so. He, I know what song he's talking about. There's a guy playing a sax. Um, it's probably one of these in excess numbers then, right? No. I don't think it's in excess. Cry, little sister, thou Yeah, that's it. Maybe that is it. Don't you cry, little sister, thou yeah. shall yeah. not like the children's fall. chorus? That's the fucking song. So okay. what fucking song is that? So it, that's Cry, Little Sister by right, Gerard sorry. McMahon. There you go. Play that song.
that's my song for one song each. At I didn't even know what the dies. song was. We'll just make it this one. I don't even think this is the saxophone, greased up saxophone. I don't fucking care. In excess, were big on sax. They had a sax player in the band. Yeah, maybe it was. That's the part. This is the scene, but yeah. I don't know if this was the. This I love was this, the, movie. I, I, this was my favorite song off that soundtrack. Yeah. I never was that into the movie. I like the soundtrack better than the movie, to be honest with you. Oh, Are you mad, man? Well, I mean, I mean, I don't blame you. Not the soundtrack is fucking rad. Yeah, but this movie is. I've seen it like twice, maybe, maybe. What? One of my favorite movies. Maybe twice. I've seen it twice, probably this year, and it's only like <laughs> the tenth day of the year. <laughs> maggots, Michael. Dude, she's so. You're eating hot. maggots. What actress is that? Jimmy Gertz, isn't it? I don't know, but she's smoking hot, dude. She's the chick from Lesson Zero, right? Yeah. Fucking movie's awesome, dude. So good, dude. You know why it's called Lost Boys, right? From uh, Neverland? Peter Pan. Yeah. It's supposed to be based off of Peter Pan. That's the Lost Boys. But they took out Peter. It is Jimmy so, Gertz, by the way. So, oh, Jimmy. They hinted that Peter Pan and the Lost Boys were all actual vampires. Mm. That's why they were kids forever. I thought that was kind of a cool premise. Thank you for being involved in my one song each. Huh? <laughs> You're adding more depth to this than I would have been able to, so I appreciate you being here. I'm not I, being well, sarcastic. I, I enjoyed this movie, and I actually did watch a brief history of the movie, because I always wondered, why do they call it Lost Boys? And I watched some documentary, and they're like, the, a script was going through Hollywood over and over and over, and it started out with Peter Pan and the Lost Boys as vampires, and as it it kept working its way out, they took out Peter Pan and just Lost Boys. That's fucking rad. I love this movie even more now. Yeah, because well, they were, the they were going to hint that the reason Peter and them never grew up was because they're vampires. They're, they're vampires. children. And Holy the, shit! And the, and the actual script, if I remember correctly, they were younger, like 14, 15 year old kids, like little punk well, closer kids. closer to the age of the yeah. Frog Brothers and Corey yeah. Haim, right? Yeah. yeah. And so when they, when they kill people, it was supposed to be shocking because they're like, wait a minute, why are they killing? Because they're children. And they're actually like 300 years old. They're actually adults just trapped in their bodies. I think I'd actually think that was cooler. I just Jason Patrick, I think, is one of the big problems. I've never been into him. I think the only thing it I ever did. It doesn't matter. He's not even the star of the movie. It's he's fucking, the star of the fucking no, movie. No, he's not the he's star of the movie. Oh, hell no, no come on. The Frog Brothers are the star of the fucking movie. Well, they, no, they, they're the saving grace. Kiefer of the movie. Sutherland is the star Kiefer's, of this movie. Oh, yeah. yeah, but I don't. I, I don't think he's one of Kiefer's better. He's better the roles, straight though. man. He's not the star of the movie. He's supposed to be your point of view, I guess. It's Corey Haim, Corey Feldman. He's the. Older the brother gets some shit. Yeah, but I mean, given my brothers, I'd always go for like a Monster Squad, or even honestly, even in the Corey Haim over, I preferred Silver Bullet. Oh no, Silver Bullet I was, was dope. I liked those, but this one actually would scare me. Like this one's just well, vampires didn't really do it for me. Werewolves well, scared I, me more. I love, I love the terrifying. fact that they're in that cave with that collapsed hotel. I always thought that was such a cool. But that's thing. just it. It's so like romanticized. It's so like it's not fucking Twilight. Dude. They're not fucking sparkling. They fucking are off. They're they're pretty sp- when. Jason I love that Pat- scene. Yeah. That's a fucking so, great dude, there scene. There's so many iconic scenes in this movie. Come on, Michael. Just fall down, Michael. Oh, dude. And then he's falling, and then he wakes up in his fucking bed. Oh, or when they fucking stab Ted from... It was a Bill? Bill. Oh, yeah. It was Bill, right? When they freaking stab him. Look at all that fucking goo and shit's coming out of him. Oh, my God. Or they have that little kid that's a vampire and he yeah. vamps out. That's when you were talking about the Peter yeah. Pan thing. That yeah. he was the little kid was the first thing that popped in my head. Well, see that that's the thing though. See, I guess that's the age we're trying to go for. You think that'd be freakier? That's the thing. I I like the stuff with the Corys. I like the stuff at the end when they're actually 
slaying the vampires and the big twist about who the, the king, king of the vampires vampire. is. The shit with the grandpa. All that stuff is cool. It's the stuff where it's the actual gang, the Lost Boys gang and Jason Patrick's character. That's the shit that I'm not into. Wow. Like, or at least I wasn't funny. into back then. I literally have not watched this movie in at least 25 years. I'm going to probably watch it. Minimum 25 years. I'll probably years. watch it tomorrow. I, I think of a lot of those, a lot of the 80s movies, this movie has held up I love way better. I love this part. <laughs> and so you, just so you know, it was supposed to be Santa Barbara. Oh, he says, like, totally yeah. says the wrong thing. But they had to change it into a, a fictitious town because Santa Barbara did not want to be associated with I would with assume that. they wouldn't want a bunch yeah. of people in the 80s. Because they, were t- because they do this. There was supposed to be a scene where they show like all the lost people and it was going to say Santa Barbara and, that, and they're like, yeah, no, 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 no. So the reason I picked the song is that this is from my childhood this is like my 80s movie uh-huh. I, I, it's not the fucking Goonies it's not Mo- I, I loved Monster Squad as a kid it's not Monster Squad it's fucking Lost Boys I absolutely this movie scared the shit out of me yeah. as a kid I related to it like the Frog Brothers were me and my friends mm-hmm. we collected comic books this is how you kill the vampires and they're going through the issue the back issues yeah. and they're pulling out their guide to kill vampires by going through the old fucking comic books and shit but we, we moved all the time as uh. kids so we were always these just outsiders showing up in these cities. So then you had to kind of meet people and there were always, you would find the kids that knew the lay of the land and those were the Frog Brothers, right? But you were, I was Corey Haim, I guess. God, that sounds really bad. <laughs> it sounds bad now. It didn't sound bad in the 80s. With your big dog? Yeah, with my, well, yeah, with our German Shepherd. So, but that's what it was. You were these, you, we were just these outsiders that sort of seemed to just like drift from city to city. city. You saw like gypsies, man. And we, we, well, we kind of were. My mom was in the radio business. So yeah. when you're in the radio business, you just take jobs in radio. True. I equated because a lot of people when they hear all the different cities I've lived in, they go, "Oh, military." I'm like, "No, it's radio. It's the same thing." I'm like, "You're you're in a city and they change a format. Well, now your rock station's now a Latino station, so they'll turn over a whole staff or yeah. or whatever. That's just sort of how it is. You just float from station to station, and you have things like you know your clear channels and your Viacoms that own a bunch of stations. So when you get promoted, it's not at that station. They promote you to another state, and you move to another state, and then that opens doors into TV, and then you go to other states where there are TV position openings. Yeah, yeah, we we just moved everywhere, and it was. It we were like freaking Jason Patrick and Corey Haim's family. Like, we were just fucking floating around with my single mom, you know, meeting these weird fucking people everywhere we went to. So, I identified with that part of it. But then I also, I mean, the 80s were all about urban legends. Yeah. I mean, that that's, to me, there was always the, oh, you heard this so-and-so died under this bridge. Or, you know, the hook in the hand hanging on the door. All that stuff. And to me, that played into a lot of this movie, too. But all the missing kids, the missing persons showing up everywhere. And it was because of these gang of kids that you thought were really cool or there's something not right with these kids you gotta stay away from these kids they were the bad kids in town and then the other thing were the carnival rides too where it just seemed like to me carnivals started to kind of die out they're still around even today but you know when I was a kid it was all about the moving carnivals that would drift through town oh, yeah, with freaking yeah. crazy carnies and shit like that yeah. so there's just so much about that Very movie because you, you did have that sense that you could die on these rides oh, and yeah, just yeah, like yeah. throw the body in a ditch and drive away and that was another urban legend that people would die oh you, I heard that the bar came up and a bunch of people died on it you know but there was no oh, the Graviton was definitely the killer. People definitely died on the oh, Graviton that over was my and over jam. again. Yeah. Or the zipper. Cut in half when the door, when the bottom fell out. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there were always, oh my God, I heard that it spun too long or whatever. You know what I mean? Or yeah. it went too fast. I heard it went too fast one time or whatever. There were just so many of those themes in this movie 
that hit all these points of my childhood, along with just the fucking kick-ass soundtrack. Anytime a song from the soundtrack comes on the radio, the channel does not change. It, whether it's serious or whatever I'm listening to, it freaking gets turned up because it takes me back to this movie. And like, I've never been a big vampire guy either. But to me, and we've headed this discussion recently in another to me, it's about vampires, but it's not like Dracula, dorky, old, yeah. fucking... A va- it was Boris Karlov or whatever. Time, big time 80s movie you know it was very in 87 it was of 87 big time it wasn't some bullshit throwback kind of thing so yeah that's just way for, for me especially just i just because like again we moved everywhere like they were new people to this family or to, to that city and you meet the fucking comic book kids that are all just fucking crazy and harebrained conspiracy theorists and stuff and then there was also the you know oh we got you know you always play the game as kids too you gotta prepare it's like you're oh yeah we gotta we gotta get our shit together because we're gonna go on some journey which may have just been walking a few blocks or a couple miles but that was like what you did you had to get all your shit together you know what i mean whether it was real or fake and you were like inventing dangers that you may need to protect yourselves from like i don't know i just i get those watching that movie and hearing those songs i'm taken back to that you know that hunker down with your friends we're, we're gonna go we're gonna go to that uh, abandoned gas station or that abandoned building and we're gonna sneak through it and see what we find and like you said the the hotel or whatever and they're all fucking camped out in and they're sneaking through the hotel trying oh, yeah. to find the vampires and stuff and you get that kind of claustrophobic like we shouldn't be in this abandoned i just thought it was very stylish like up to that point any vampire movie i saw was dusty monster old. squad or not even monster squad i think that predates monster squad didn't it yeah no it does but i'm i'm, I'm talking about like at the time your vampires were either like very they're in transylvania Stroker, they're in a haunted castle or they're in some kind of comedy or they they weren't relatable where this is like yeah that's like the punk kid that lives at the end of my street like, yeah. kind of feel like you was like i could see a bunch of these dudes that lived at the end of my street that were metalheads that could be vampires like yeah that. you would have never thought about it well and they could like fucking fly they were manipulating like his brain and things that he was seeing. And oh, they yeah, could like, do shit oh, like that. Like, why, you like eating worms, Michael? No, it's, no, it's maggots, Michael. Oh, my God, You're yeah. eating maggots. Uh, yeah, stuff like that. I'm like, oh my God, they're totally. You know, where it's just like, oh, I'm going to suck your blood and I'm going to go in a coffin and I'm going to get stabbed with a steak and fucking garlic and stuff. And I'm like, oh, that's so lame. I love everything about that movie to this day. And it's. Well, and, and Kiefer. No, don't yeah, want to. No, yeah. No. Don't plan. Kiefer Sutherland, too, is, was so menacing back then. Yeah, you know, yeah. He dated menace so well. He was such an intimidating person. You always felt like he was the kid that would pull a switchblade and gut you. Yeah, he you was know? the ornery, angry, don't mess with that kid just because of the way he That looks. guy's not right. That dude will yeah. fucking knife you, man. So it's good. And just a reminder, fucking Joel Schumacher, much maligned Joel Schumacher, but that dude fucking had yeah. style to spare back then. Yeah. yeah, and that movie has, like you said, that movie has its own style. Yeah. It is not like any other vampire movie that predated it. And, and It has I, a I very distinctive it. look. Yeah. Well, and I think it inspired a lot of stuff that came afterwards. Too. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. You know, kids, this is the best damn party album in the whole world. That record was so good, I wanted to puke. Luckily, I didn't, though. It might have ruined my chance with the sound engineer, who is so cute. Anyway, you're on Flash, and I'm Tony, and we've got the weather next. Oh, wait a minute. That's wrong. What is this? Oh, yes. This is the Tony Ultimate Party Album. Jeez, this looks so much like my normal studio that I had an out-of-body experience for a minute there. It's got a microphone and everything, except for the bed and the jungle swing. Like a creature of the night, it's Flash FM. In California, you'll find fun, romance, and vampires. You better get yourself a garlic t-shirt, buddy. Have you been eating pizza? No. Why? Ooh, you smell like garlic. 
The Lost Boys. The New York Times calls it timely, relentlessly funny, and a hip comic twist on the classic vampire movie. Bring home The Lost Boys on video cassette from Warner Home Video. All right, so I'm going to pick my song. I'm going to let it play first, and then I'll tell you why. Like Al Capone is it Control our thoughts So don't ever try to sweat me Some of you don't know What's happening Que pasa is not for you anyway Cause this is for the rasa This is for the rasa Rasa, rasa This is for the rasa Control Magente? Who is that? Skip Ross Okay you know you're big when there's a dude in your backseat playing a saxophone. Fuck yeah. Vixen, did you introduce this song to me or did I hear it before you? No, I ain't probably introduced this. You might have, yeah, I was about yeah. to say. I know I've heard it before, but... I think you had a copy of mine, like when you were holding... Yeah, I think, I think you must yeah. have introduced it to me, yeah. This beat sounds familiar to something else. Oh, uh, it's a Santana song, I believe. So that was Kid Frost, La Raza. And so... Translate, por favor? My race. In the neighborhood I grew up in, which was extremely Latino, you had rap coming up. So you would have a lot of dudes that would try to emulate black rappers. And we had a bunch of old school. Now, at the, in the day, we used to call them lowriders and would piss them the fuck off. Because the lowrider's a car. The dude driving the lowrider's a cholo. And the cholos were like, motherfucker, I ain't a lowrider, I'm a cholo. You're in the neighborhood. That's just the way they dressed. That's the way they acted. And as a young kid, you start emulating that. That's what you want to look like. That's how you want to be seen. So, dude, we would go to Quintin and I mean that's how we dressed we would dress like that and crash people's quinceaneras and so that song came out I think I was working at the time my dad had us working at a tortilla factory like us packagers that came out and at the time all we had was like just rap music which I liked a lot but that came out and that was just like boom a bomb in my neighborhood that song played everywhere and then all of a sudden you had uh, like this renaissance of Latin rappers but he was like the first one I can remember that came out from the west coast because of course Cypress Hill is from the east coast no no from the west coast i'm sorry cypress california who came out for, i can't think who came out first cypress hill was more i guess you would say mainstream where kid frost like i didn't see kid frost on any of the shows i don't think i've ever even heard of kid frost yeah. so cypress hill was definitely more mainstream yeah. <laughs> i don't it was just the way it was in the neighborhood right we were talking about earlier where you were talking about the models like what was your those were the models i was chasing up the lowrider models like that's what was on my wall i didn't give i mean the only reason i liked cindy crawford because i would see her a lot but she looked really latina so i was like well she kind of looks latin so she's kind of hot the kathy and all that, I was just like, nah, yeah, you can keep that. That's all bone. We're good. And so the cars, I mean, I had friends that would go and they had to get the Monte Carlo and they would have rims on it just like that. But, you know, maybe the seats were missing in the back. No interior. Them Dayton's. Yeah. They'd have, you know, the fucking equalizer in the back with the fucking the subwoofers and all that shit. So that song just, when I hear it, it, it reminds me of like a group of people, friends I used to hang out with that 
I don't hang out with anymore. Not too long ago, there was a funeral, and I had a family member go, and he was just like, oh, all these old friends, all these old guys from the neighborhood were there, you know. And they hear like, oh, well, so-and-so's blind, and so-and-so's this. Like, to think that from when we were kids like that to where they are now, like, they were all falling apart, they're all old, or they've been in jail for so long. and It was just weird, man. But that was just kind of a small chapter in my life. And so when I hear that song, there was good times then, but, yeah, it was, it was good times then. But it, it got crazy sometimes. Well, uh, that bachelor party we went to where we were all on that bus and y'all ended up going to the strip club and I bailed on you. Were some of those guys, some of your uh, guys from no, back man, then? No, man. By then, I'd already moved on. That group of guys that I hung out with, well, yeah, some of them were. A couple of the guys were. They yeah. had kind of grown out of it. But some of the guys that stayed hardcore in the neighborhood, nah, they never, they never grew out of it. I wouldn't hang out with them today. So but. what year was that Kid Frost La Raza song? Oh, man. Internet save us. I'm going to say 93, maybe 94. What? That's got to be older than that. You think so? Really? Nah, maybe not. I'm kind of spitballing. Let me see. 1990. Yeah, that looked older than 94. Wow, I was off. Dude, that might have predated Cypress Hill. I think so. I just remember them coming out, and it was like huge in my neighborhood. When was Cypress Hill's debut album? Look that up. Diabolus. Uh, well, I was still looking at La Raza. The song reached 42 on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. Album was Hispanic Causing Panic. It was featured on the uh, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas soundtrack, or at least the game itself. Oh, I heard it way before that. Well, yeah, no. I, you you exposed it to me way before that, because mm-hmm. I know I knew once I heard it that uh, I, I heard it before, but not... At one time I gave Frank not- a bunch of my music by accident i had like some really uh latino centric music on there hip-hop and i remember he's like you ever taking this shit or am i holding on to it <laughs> what i give you like Molotov and all, all kinds of shit dude i gave you all kinds this of isn't shit. sarah mclaughlin <laughs> <laughs> cypress hill goes back to 1988 yeah but i don't uh, know when that like when did they when did they blow up you know what i'm saying but 91 was the uh self-titled album so so by a year but well but i'm i'm not seeing any hints off of that one yeah i mean if they didn't chart until 94 or something 93 i want to say black sunday was the one that that black hit sunday hard, was right? their, black sunday was their massive massive album insane in the brain yeah yeah so yeah they they really blew up in 93 though but like I said, so they, way before then like so when he was wearing that poncho that's what we used to wear kind of stand out at school that big mexican punch was quite a time quite a time yeah you couldn't get away with that shit now dude there's no way they'd let you wear that at school oh no 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 well honestly today i think it's kind of a caricature right i mean that's so broad by today's standards you know that i have one in my closet man they're fucking comfy as shit i'm talking about no i'm talking about the whole look that that uh, whole look with the gigantic oh, headband and everything no else. no dude that's that's going that's just that's like throwback dude, that's been around, it? that that's been around since like the fucking the 30s like that's, right but do People, people don't still roll out like that, do they? Fuck yeah. Really? No, so nobody's walking around in the streets with freaking ponchos dude, on full. Dude, if you go to a lowrider show, you're gonna see that shit all over the place. They still have lowrider shows here. And in- that, no, like, they still have cosplay though. Shows. At this point, if nah. it's a lowrider show, dressing nah, like dude, that, you're not gonna dress. Like- dude, you dress like that? Oh, nah, dude, it'd be disrespectful. Like, I wouldn't try to dress like that anymore because I don't live like that. They take that shit real serious. You know, the tres flores in the hair, tres leches in the belly. <laughs> Got the, you know, the white. Well, you, you're reminding me, there's a uh, dickies. Yeah, no. Uh, there, there was the a time where I was uh, driving a compact car and I was still on the brown side of town and I decided I was going to decorate the car a little bit so I would go and I'd get these homies they were popular at the time the homie yeah. stickers but I was really into the Jew thing then so I would convert them into Jewies I'd give them like uh, oh my God. <laughs> locks and shit I don't even know who would be offended right now but somebody's gotta be <laughs> and, and, and he's just throwing stuff I used to now. live but, but on the, the brown side of town and I bought <laughs> homies and converted them to Jewies, because I was really into the Jew thing, <laughs> and and then and the kids would be stealing my Jewies off of my car. <laughs> 
So I don't know if they were like stripping it because of I was being disrespectful to the homies or if they just wanted my Jewies. No, they would have just set your car on fire. <laughs> you would have walked in and it would have been flaming probably. Um, no, nah, dude, I, I remember a year ago, maybe, I went to my old neighborhood where my grandparents used to live and everything seemed fine and then I stopped and I ran into an old friend so I'm sitting there talking to him and sure enough man two cholos just walking down the street like no big deal walking to the end of the street dickied out and I'm just like yep neighborhood ain't changed much and I never coming back nice seeing you buddy and just kind of drove out of the neighborhood I mean neighbors it's just weird because like they just kind of pass on that thing to the next generation so I mean, nowadays, what, the kids have to wear, like, uniforms and shit to school now, so they could Yeah. But when I went to school, we, I mean, that's how we dressed. I didn't always dress See, like that, but. Man, and I, I really kind of do feel like we're, like, one of the last generations to get out and, like, go through the school thing and deal with the bullshit that comes with that and get out and still feel like individuals and still, like, being able to kind of, like, have an identity that you could create and be a part, you know, to go to school. That, whereas today, I feel like you have to conform so much to these, all the standards that they have in the schools now and the dress codes everything oh, else yeah. i really do feel like it, it subsumes your identity it's for the best you think so yeah yeah maybe you need to just go to school and go to fucking school yeah but, I, but i'm not i'm not sorry that i didn't have to deal with that though no i mean neither man i mean we jesus we wore whatever the hell we wanted to and it was just no big deal now i remember while i was in like junior high that i started to see schools that had dress codes like where you'd have to everybody was wearing polos and like yeah. the same color khaki pants and stuff and i was like whoa that's weird that's super duper weird but that hadn't percolated up to junior highs and high schools yet, which now I think it, for the most it's part more, is. Well, I remember, like, for us, it was... So I bounced around high school. So I remember being in a high school here on this side of town, and you had to be clean-shaven, no satin, no baggy clothes, stuff like that. And then I went... I was shipped out because of some problems I had up to the north, where it was a more... Um, the pigments were lighter, I guess you would say, mm-hmm. in their school district. And they had facial hair. And, of course, grunge was out there. All, they're all wearing flannels. So I'm like, well, I got flannels. So I, f- I fit in fine. And dudes were sagging. I'm like, wow. Like, it was just a weird to know, like, y'all can do this here. But if you do this shit at my last school, like, that yeah. shit won't play. If your pants were sagging, they would make you pick up your pants and give you a piece of rope to tie off if you didn't have a belt. Yeah. And if you, I think you got caught multiple times like that, they would just ship you off to detention. Yeah. Like, so at my junior high, that wasn't a big deal but that was a different state and then when i got here there seemed to be a little more cracking down on the yeah. sagging where well, it was like all right it's time, you gotta pull your pants up dude pull well, your pants i remember up. people used to wear uh timberlands but people would go buy caterpillar work boots because yeah. they're steel toe and you yeah. had to be careful because those were the dudes that you knew would pick a fight because they were gonna start kicking the shit out of you that steel toe and i remember the teachers never said anything and then after a while it was like oh yeah now shoes have to be tennis shoes like you can't wear boots to school anymore because i guess they caught on that i i can kind of remember when they didn't want people wearing steel toe boots to shoot to school. I remember something like that happening and yeah. they were telling people stop, to stop doing that. I wore steel-toed boots to school for a while there. You so. did? Oh, yeah. I, I, I had a pair of caterpillars. I didn't beat nobody up on them, but I was just like, I was ready. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wasn't... Man, I didn't have there. any of that cool stuff. I, I was. I got a pair of Doc Martens from a friend because they were too big, but they were size like 14s. And I was like, <laughs> like I got pretty big feet on my hand in these 14s, especially Doc Martens that run kind of big. I was like, this is absurd. So I tried to wear them like one time and I'm like, no, this isn't happening. I tossed them like a closet. It was Weird. Other than that, I had like just junk, pay less, cheap garbage. Is it the thing? The funny thing was for us, Doc Martens were associated with like you know skinheads. Like yeah. that's what the skinhead kids wore. Yeah. We had skinheads in school. Yeah, yeah my, see, my we, brother we, wore a lot of Doc Martens, yeah. so I could. I with could us, it was more just like punk. If you were a metal kid, if you were sort of a not mainstream kid, you, Doc. Well, Martens. no, we had well, a lot. Of, we had a lot of punk and me- 
metal kids in my school because I hung out with them and th- they would wear the Metallica blue jean jacket with the patches and they were cool. But you, we had legit skinhead kids that would wear like white t-shirts, jeans, the red sp- suspenders. Yeah, see, and, and, and then we would wear the white laces with their docks. In uh. Let's see when was this? Ninety one. There were no like skinhead Nazis where I was. No, <laughs> it was, just was not a thing. Well, we had, they we called me Frankenstein when I wore my steel-toed boots, so it was not a common thing in that time period in that place. So, no. so that was my Kid Frost. If you're still partying, it's time to turn the tape over and start it again. It's on a what? It's on a CD with lasers. And if you're still partying, it's time to turn the CD over and start all over again. Wait a minute. What do you mean you can't flip these things? Get with it. What are you, 30 or something? Flash FM. If it's popular, we do it. Flash FM. Totally awesome. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Hustle. It's John Lamoureux. All right. Who will ever forget that moment when they first saw that really buff, super greased up, saxophone player on the boardwalk performing this song I still believe in that classic 1987 movie The Lost Boys. If you're of a certain age like me that is one of the most indelible iconic images of the entire decade. That guy is named Tim Capello and he is this week's guest and I'm so excited for you to hear this because if you look at him you probably would assume that he's a certain kind of guy. He's rough and he's aggressive he's not like that at all. He is the sweetest, gentlest, funniest sweetheart of a man you will ever know. I came into this, you know, fully prepared with this very formal list of questions that I wanted to go down, and he took me on tangents that were way more interesting and entertaining than anything I could have dreamed up. I don't know if you know this, but his primary gig for a long time was playing with Tina Turner. We talk about that. We talk about a lot of his other collaborations, too, like... Peter Gabriel, Carly Simon, in the early days, back in the 70s, when Billy Crystal was starting out as a struggling comedian, Tim would travel around and be his piano player, if you can believe that. So we talk about all that, we talk about why he never had a solo career, and it's really hilarious actually. We talk about what it felt like to be parodied on Saturday Night Live by John Hamm recently, when he was Sergio the Sexy Sax Man. A lot to unpack here. He's such a funny guy. The Hot Singles chart includes the 108 Sage, Bone Dragon Comics, Dr. Ange, Bad and Shapirak, Cash Flag, Chris and Bad Books for Beginners, Cinnabud Podcast, Gray Muir, The Hoopers, Ice in the Face, Iowa's Joe, Jared Albrecht, The Yard Sale Artist, Jeffrey Brown, Justin's First Dog, Keith G. Baker, Ken Stark, Kevin Daji, Cristados, Longbox of Darkness, Longbox Crusade, Michael Wagner, Odell Abner Dracula, who added Festive, Pat Sampson, Paul Quibell Smith, Randy Caldwell, Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos Podcast, Ryan Daly, Sean Michael Ortega, Sugar Wars and Beyond Podcast, Terrence Castingway, Tim Price, Trekker Talk, and Zach Sally. One song each is a rolled spine podcast. This is a not-for-profit fan production. Any copyrighted materials used is believed covered under fair use with no infringement intended. Please leave your comments and criticisms on our website. We especially encourage participation on this show. Feel free to call in and leave a request. Maybe you'll even get featured on the show. We thank you for your rapt attention. (laughs) 